Welcome to Stores The Next Generation, a new six-part podcast series produced in partnership with Critizer, which provides retailers with a solution to engage, understand and build loyalty with local consumers. In this series, we examine the future for physical retail in the post-pandemic world. We'll talk to major retailers and experts in store design and technology to discuss the role of the physical store and how it will change along with major shifts in consumer behaviour which will result in us shopping more consciously, more carefully and more locally. Critizer has produced a spotlight report for the fashion and beauty market called The New Retail Journey. This can be downloaded from the industry.fashion's homepage and the findings of this report have driven the content of these podcasts. Sandrine DeVoe has always been at the vanguard of the digital retail revolution. Having spotted the potential for luxury fashion to embrace technology to bridge the gap between the physical and the digital realms many years before it became a mainstream pursuit. Her career in luxury fashion began with Matches Fashion, helping to launch what was then an independent retailer into a global online force. After that, she moved to luxury department store Harvey Nichols before meeting the founder of Farfetch, the great visionary, Jose Neves. She joined Neves in his groundbreaking business, which gives the world's best fashion boutiques access to a global market through its platform. Farfetch also works with leading luxury players such as Chanel and its own boutique Browns, helping them to enhance the luxury shopping experience through the application of digital technology. As Executive Vice President of Future Retail at Farfetch, it is Sandrine's job to head up this side of the business. She talks to me, Loretta Roberts, Editor-in-Chief of the Industry.Fashion, about why luxury boomed during the pandemic, how consumer behaviour has changed for good and why, despite being a digital retail trailblazer, she still believes in a bright future for physical stores. So Sandrine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm great. Oh, we're delighted that you took the time. I know it must be incredibly busy for you. Um, But we really, really wanted to get you on because you are quite unique and people will find out why as we go through this podcast. So before we talk about, you know, the future of retail, the store of the future, let's talk about you in the background of your career, because I think you were at Matches when I first met you. So you've always been somebody I've seen to be at the vanguard of e-commerce. You were there really, really early. So let's just tell the audience where your career began. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Loretta. So yeah, so I started actually my career 25 years ago, which sounds like a very, very, very long time. And I started in the UK. I've always been working in, in London, actually. I, I moved from uh, Paris, where I was graduated from what the French system called the Grand École. I moved to London because I just wanted to really work in technology and e-commerce at the time. I had an internship where I uh, found out about the web and I was like, that's what I want to do. And uh, and it was not really a big deal in France at the time. It was just very kind of, okay, whatever is that new stuff. And obviously in London is always the sort of epicenter of new great stuff going on and London was the place to be. So I started doing a consultancy. I worked in startups. Uh, I worked in also media companies who are launching their video on demand um, and content strategies, so from Bloomberg Media down to AOL. And then, as you rightly say, after probably 10 or 12 years, I uh, moved into luxury started uh, as when we met, uh, working for Tom Chapman, as you know, in uh, in uh, 
in matches, matches fashion, who are basically kind of uh, supported him on really launching their digital property, their digital business at the time where it was really, really small. And uh, then carry on uh, from that to going and work for a department store, Harvey Nichols, where he was really bringing all of that turning to the next level on our uh, this type of organization could transform themselves and trying to make them think digital first. Um, and that was kind of like really probably the sort of red thread in my career of always trying to to work in uh, in organization that had to see big and look big, but were not sure how to execute on it. And then I met um, and then I met basically uh, Jose Neves, the uh, founder and CEO of Farfetch, when the business was not big, though it was big, but wasn't big. It was, you know, it was about six years, more than six, actually, it was seven years ago. And um, and he told me about this new idea he has around uh, solving the challenge of retail and how we bring technology and our platform and the Farfetch platform into the physical space because that's where all the luxury sales are still happening, and his vision around really melting online and offline and one single experience. And and I started at the time. I started the journey with Farfetch at the time. And, and it's been a, a fascinating, actually, as a journey. I mean, I, I think back to, um, I remember meeting you in, you were in quite a small office in Clapham with matches. Look how big that's become now. At the time, you were probably in, I mean, I think people thought e-commerce was a bit unfashionable. They weren't that interested in it. I think they thought they had to do it. Um, they were a bit grumpy about it, particularly in luxury. They weren't that keen. Um, did you did you have a vision? Did you realise how big it would become? Could you see the potential in the luxury space? I mean, oh, actually... I've always, I was, I was, I mean, it's hard, right? Because when you ask this question, it's okay, there's a number. What is the size of the market? And it sounds very kind of financial analyst led. But I think for me, that was more the intuition that I was active that the customer is going to evolve the way we use also our mobile was evolving at the time. And it was clear that that customer would be connected and connected to the physical and the digital world. So how actually digital technology are allowing customer to, to buy. And, and I think for me, luxury is also luxury of time. It's not necessarily luxury of spending five hours in a flagship store in Bond Street or in Avenue Montaigne. It's luxury of time and actually getting a great product we love, but deliver really, really, really fast. So there were all of those sort of consumer signals that was telling me we have to be there. The brands have to be there. The industry have to be there. Um, and, and a lot of what I've done actually over those years was, Sometimes a lot of convincing and educating, and still today, still today, brands are is still an ongoing transformation. I think. Yeah. Well, well, we'll talk about in a moment how that transformation has accelerated or perhaps changed somewhat as a result of the pandemic. But I wanted to get into your role at Farfetch, and the reason we were so keen to talk to you, particularly Sandrine, um, is because Farfetch is so unique in its ability to build that bridge between physical and digital retail. And your role is very specific, isn't it, around that and connecting that customer across both channels. Tell us what your job is and tell us what it involves. And I know that's probably easy to ask and not so easy to answer because it must be quite complex. But 
give it give it a go <laughs> yeah i would give it a go in two it's like almost like telling that to my mom and my dad and they never understand what i'm doing right <laughs> yeah exactly uh, well i think it's interesting because at farfetch uh, we have always believed in the power of the physical space so you know when uh, josie set up the business it was really around how we connect um, these beautiful clothes all around the world from those beautiful boutiques to one single global audience right so how you match the supply to the demand. So that was really how it all started, that accepting that retail needs to be digitally enabled across all of the touch points. So you think about product, customer, and also logistics. So that was really the challenge on how we actually are bringing the platform and we bring our platform into that physical space, which actually gives us a unique experience to customers um, and, and keep that emotion of luxury. And how you do that, how you then also collect the data that actually can help then make better experience online and then back to the physical space where the customer come back. So my job is really around that, is really around what are the key customer pain points we have in the physical space today and when customers are shopping, what is it and what is the role of the stores and what is there the technology that we need to co-develop would actually answer those um, pain points. So it could be from the way uh, the customers is known uh, when he enter the stores or doesn't want to be known not to be disturbed because he just wants to shop anonymously, but he needs to be known. So that is anonymous, if that makes sense. Um, how you look at this sort of true personalization experience that is actually powered by someone, but also is in the background, the merger of what you know about in online. So how do you do that in a really personalized way, which is very different from what um, Amazon and all of the sort of kind of, I suppose, marketplace are doing, right? Uh, and how do you bring that ease, right? How do you make it super easy? So we had, my job is really around looking at all of those sort of pain points and really trying to say, okay, how can we use technology to answer those pain points and to create really great experience that can be either deployed on farfetch.com on our marketplace for our boutique networks or can be deployed for our enterprise-led uh, business unit for other brands within the industry. Exactly. So, I mean, there are two there are two strands to it, isn't it? Like you say, it's about bringing that technology to Farfetch and also your brand network as well are coming to you to leverage your technology. I mean, can you talk about some of the brands that you work with and how you're helping digitally enhance their retail environments? Yes, yeah, so actually, we have a division at Farfetch, which is called Farfetch Platform Solution, which is truly dedicated to taking the technology and uh, customizing or designing some solution for any brand. So we have actually a division um, alongside mine division. But I've been working quite a lot around, especially around, you know, future retail innovation and, and this sort of challenge around physical to digital and vice versa. So, I mean, the best example, I suppose, is the work I've led with Chanel because, I mean, you know, that was quite a big, uh, a big um Milestone in the far-fetched story, actually, pre-IPO. Uh, we've been working with Chanel for the last three and a half years. Uh, and when we met Chanel, really, uh, the challenge was, how can you deliver digital technologies to enhance their customer experience in the physical space? And um, and I talk about Chanel from a fashion point of view, not from the beauty, because, you know, in beauty, they are very digital savvy. They sell online. They don't sell online uh, for ready-to-wear. And and so they, but they love uh, the... Uh, 
vision we had, which is actually quite was quite amazing, right? They love the fact it's all starting from the retail space, the boutique, the role of the boutique, the as they call it, the fashion advisors, and how we really augment their role for technology to create something different. So we worked with them a lot on piloting their vision. Uh, in their uh, flagship in Rue Cambon, so 19 Rue Cambon, which is alongside the others, so they have their flagship they have in Rue Cambon. And we develop a sort of kind of custom-made solution, which is really seamless, actually, and integrate really well with their elite customer, uh, with um, with a boutique uh, app, a boutique channel app, who has dedicated stock that the boutique owns, that has, you know, dedicated content, editorial, based to that um, experience from the shows, especially, and then it's connected to the fashion advisors, it's connected then to the digital screen, digital mirrors, actually, in the room. And we got so many great feedback and actually so good that they are actually rolling it out to more boutiques in Paris and in uh, the south of France, actually. So that's uh, very exciting. And how about the staff in the store then? How, are they, how do they like interacting with this technology? Actually, it's been interesting, right? Because in two examples, the, the Chanel example was um, an interesting one because from the, the beginning, we have run so many sessions with them to make them understand how they, you know, the value of that technology. So they were not given a tech at the end, which is very IT way of working old school, right? From the very beginning, they were involved in designing that technology and that solution and sharing their pain points or their ideas. So that was really involving them in the creation of the product with our engineering and, um, and tech team. Uh, and they really embraced it. And what I loved is actually when they show us the tech, they were just talking about it even better than I was able to, which means that they were their tech and not a far-fetched tech. Um, and the other challenge we've seen actually with Browns, which I will probably come in a second, but we had a, a workforce which was very... the. The, the today and the tomorrow. So uh, essays who have been there for 25 years and essays who just been recruited. And, and it was really how we make the most of that generation, right? And how we get coaching from the youngest to the oldest and vice versa, because it's not only about being completely uh, tech savvy. Otherwise, you have those young kids who are actually not serving the customer and looking at their phone all the time. You see, and that's happened quite a lot in stores, right? Sometimes. Um, so, so I think for me, it was just trying to make the most of both worlds and really making sure that they understand the technology and, and be very explicit about what is the problem you are solving or what are you trying to do with that tech. The minute you're not able to articulate that, the sales associate don't buy into that at all because they want to sell at the end of the day, right? That's they just do. what matters. Yeah, so, they yeah. do. And in, in in places like Browns, and I'm sure our listeners know, but Farfetch owns the iconic Browns retailer. We will talk about it because there's a new store. We'll want to find out a bit more about that. Um, and also in Chanel. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have shopped in Chanel on very rare occasions, but it's a really consultative sell. I mean, you're in there a long time. You, it's not just pick a bag off the shelf, go pay for it, walk out, is it? I mean, it's a it's a big ceremony, you know, literally when you go in there. So that tech can't get in the way of that, can it? it just no, no. And it has to be there in the background. It has to augment what already is, as you say, the selling ceremony is very particular to to the luxury industry, I think, like selling ceremony, like a ceremony, it's kind of like a big word, right? It's more like a theater. And um, 
And I think the tech, yeah, we always said that the tech needs to be invisible uh, so that they can make that happen. And if you don't want to, as a customer, to be uh, involved with that tech, or to, it's okay, you don't need to. I think this is really important as well to, to remember that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the sort of things that, um, you know, I as a customer might experience with the tech, like you say, I, I would get dedicated content, dedicated information about a particular store. It would, it would record my purchases, make recommendations. What, what kind of things might I what I, what I get from that experience? I mean, actually, kind of it depends. I think it depends the level of interaction you want. But while you're browsing, you can just get... And also, first of all, I think it's that relationship you have with your seller associate. And the minute you start to talk about... Um, the value you will get by, for example, you will get about giving your details or even downloading the app, which is what, you know, you're seeing in not luxury, but in other industries, so that's, you know, like sportswear or even like Zara does that. You download the app and then you realize the app has actually that install layer, which is much more immersive. And through that, you start to get much more personalized experience. So in stores, we've looked at how you can use, for example, um, a connected content, which is could be used on visual merchandise, uh, merchandising um, products. So you can tell story, installation, or we have... Um, Immersive rooms who are actually sometimes powered by uh, artists. And this is where you, when we're using your app, you can actually know about more about those installation and get into more about, you know, discovering that content or what it is about. Um, and then obviously you got, um, you got so many different layers. We looked at how, for example, you use augmented reality, uh, for products where, um, inventory is really limited in that store because a lot of the stores now are more obviously experiential stores or concept stores don't have always a full range of stock that we had in the old days because that's not the point of those stores. So some products, uh, could be tried on virtually. I'm thinking about, for example, fine jewelry or um, watches. Uh, so if you really love it, you can then buy it online or get them delivered to the stores. So there is all of that connected piece. Um, and we, for example, what we have as well, if we created that really, really cool connected uh, fitting room mirror with not, you know, like the sort of kind of awful word about magic uh, mirrors. It's just really geek. It's just really random and geeky. And it's just really people don't understand when they say that. And just for me, this is, you have no clue what you're talking about here. It's really helping the customer in a purchase decision, right? So uh, what happened is actually you can look at the, you have a trousers you're trying on, you can see the full look. Uh, so you can see how it is accessorized, uh, different ways of, uh, of actually styling it. Uh, you can look at runway videos. So that, and for the essay, they can also set, share with you recommendation directly on the mirror while you are trying products on other stuff you might want. So it can be delivered in the stores in like, you know, 60 minutes. So it actually can be delivered, uh, at home. So you can try on. So this is actually really what back to that connected experience or all single aspect of the, the technology allow you to be connected to what you love at this real time, which I think yeah. for me is really critical. Yeah, it is. It's exciting. I did see um, a few years ago, you did a big showcase on it, um, your store of the future. And I did yeah. see some of yeah. the technology in action. And it is, it's much more impressive when you see it than it sounds when you explain it, doesn't it? You, you, yeah. It, yeah. It, it really does combine the best of physical and digital retail in one. Yeah. Which is yeah. why I think uh, sometimes people are struggling because I think what's been happening for a while is you've seen 
uh, hybrid of things. So, you know, brands that clienteling app. And you say, well, I got that. No, because your clienteling app is just not linked to your customer in real time of what they are doing on their phone. It's just linked to your stock. Or they have seen, you know, the Burberry example with the RFID tag in Regent Street ages ago. But that just wasn't just, that was just a, a surface. I wasn't connected to your wish list. So you can add that to, you know. So I think that's why um, that's been going on. I mean, this technology has been there for a while. But I don't think, I think what we're doing is connected that in one single view for the customer to make it playful and interesting yeah i think i think that's i think that's right it's rather than just being these little fragments it's it's all it's all brought together so so beautifully now let's hear more about critizer critizer is helping brands to become customer obsessed in the last year they have powered over 12 million customer interactions connecting local teams with their customers to understand solve issues and build loyalty Find out more by visiting www.critizer.com. That's C-R-I-T-I-Z-R.com. Now, obviously, um, Sandrine, the, the, the shops throughout the world have been, in your very global business, your retail network will have been closed quite a lot at various points during the last year. And I, I remember sort of quite early on in the pandemic, um, I mean, Jose Nevis has always been a bit of a hero of the independent retailer anyway. They, mm. they, they kind of, he's a bit of a god, isn't he? Because they, <laughs> he gave them a sort of future that they probably couldn't have been a, you know, executed for themselves. But he really did, you know, in you as a company, your profile went through the roof because p- retailers were saying, this is our lifeline during the pandemic. We can't yeah. open our boutique, but we can continue to access a global audience via Farfetch. Um, what sort of customer behaviour did you see at that time? Um, or, um, have you seen over the past year? Because it seems to me Farfetch has been trading well from what I can see through from mm-hmm. the numbers. Buying clothes, right? Yeah, and I think what we've seen actually with the pandemic, first of all, you're right. I mean, right, we were really trying to make sure that we were supporting our boutiques. So we did a lot of campaign hashtag support boutiques to making sure they could carry on trading. And, and, uh, and they were, and, and because back to the point I was making before, Jose always believed in a, in a power of the physical space and yeah. more importantly in this beautiful uh, local boutiques all around the world. So that was also a big value for us. We had to support them. And, uh, and what we've seen quite quickly is actually, new customer coming on Farfetch. Customers were going in other destination offline, right? Like department stores or uh, or independent boutiques who couldn't actually shop. So suddenly we saw actually that you that what we call, you know, like the the, the, the COVID cohort was actually buying buying online with a total different new profile, much more loyal, much more um, kind of uh, considered about what they were doing, not actually so linked into the discount world. So that actually mm-hmm. completely kind of changed quite a bit what we were doing, which was really interesting. Um, and I think another layer of that. And also what we've seen is obviously a different sort of behavior from the different markets, right? The resilience of the business model is actually if the boutiques are uh, close in in uh, in Italy or in Europe, they are not in China and vice versa. You yeah. know, I think that was quite fascinating to see how we can flex inventory with demand based on where the pandemic the pandemic was the the worst was hitting the most. 
Yeah. So that was the main thing, I think, is looking at, and I think that's why now, as you know, we are going back to normal or to a new norm, customers have actually learned how to shop online and this is there to stay, right? Yeah. This is there to stay. I mean, that's not going away because they found out the value of getting their products delivered at home, trying it in the comfort of their, their bedrooms or living rooms and then actually just returning the next day. All of that ease, it's actually great. So, yeah. Yeah. So the role of the stores need to be thought about. That's actually the main thing. Yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to talk to you about that. I mean, I, I think you're right. First of all, there's been a new digital customer created, and I they've under, uncovered the joy of shopping online because it is pretty joyful. It's quite easy, and I mean, I don't know. I'm sure people are guilty of I. I, I getting my little deliveries during those dark moments <laughs> during the pandemic was what sort of cheered me up. You know, <laughs> I didn't wear any of it anywhere in particular. I think there was a lot of people just sort of um, almost sort of self-medicating, you know, through, <laughs> through buying clothes just to yeah, get themselves. retail therapy. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And there was some, like we were saying before we came on, there are some big trends and some big products that like the Bottega bags and shoes, people were just, selling out as soon as it hit the sites because good product will sell no matter what's going on. Um, but I wanted to talk about the role of the store moving forward as you saw it. Um, this podcast is sponsored by Critizer. They've produced a report about the new retail journey. And Critizer is a great believer in the future of retail, and so am I. And they've surveyed a lot of retailers and a lot of them are now thinking for this report they surveyed a lot of them a lot of them are now thinking particularly in fashion about the implementation of technology in stores some of that's driven by are people a little bit nervous still about what they would like to touch and what they don't want to touch and keeping a bit of social distance from from now on but i think there's a movement towards um a more omnichannel experience are you are you seeing that among your boutique network and your brand network that they're now as well as being part of your online um, community, thinking about how they enhance their stores as well. We, we know people at Chanel, we know you're doing it in Browns, but what about elsewhere? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the role, the question of what is the role of the stores is actually there. I think, you know, brands know and luxury brands know that actually still the, ma the vast majority of the business will still happen in physical space. And, and we yeah. saw it right when the pandemic, I mean, when we get back a retail opened, Uh, I think mid-April in the UK. So then you yeah. had huge queue outside of Louis Vuitton or Hermès. It was crazy, right? So because people need that physical connection with the product, especially in that type of purchase. So so definitely, I think, the, however, I think the challenge for those brands is what does actually truly means. And I think what they're really struggling is to really articulate that in a coherent strategy. Because on one side, they say, well, the store needs to be different, but then, oh, yeah, but technology, no, I'm not sure. And 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 I think it's not, as I call it, right, the polarities between creativity and uh, craftsmanship versus tech, tech. This is not that. This is merging one into everything into one experience. Uh, yeah. So then you So much education still to be made. Um, and for me, this is the point, right? If actually you have been enjoying your doing your little deliveries during your Zoom calls, um, you've learned how to, to enjoy that. 
Now, why would you be going to a store? So the store yeah. has to be meaningful, has to be memorable, has to be different so that you feel really that you want to do go there. Because quite frankly, I don't think people are just want to browse for the sake of browsing anymore. Those days are over. Um, and I think this is why uh, brands need to, to rethink about the role of their physical space uh, and be much more creative and courageous uh, in terms of what they're going to do. And I'm not sure they are, all of them are there yet, for sure not. No. Of course. I mean, I th- I, it's going to take a while. And you've got it's understandable to an extent as well because there's been a lot yeah. of investment made in logistics, you know, being able to deliver from store or deliver through, you know, your retail, retail stores much quicker than you could before, et cetera. And it's been about survival, I suppose. But mm-hmm. they are going to have to think a bit more strategically here on in. Um, we touched on Browns earlier. Now I can't remember when it was that Farfetch bought Browns. Was it sort of three or four years ago now? No, it was it was six years ago when I started. When you started, so that time has been that long. So that was sort of your playground, wasn't it? It was sort of mm. you can use Browns to <laughs> roll out. That was quite a nice playground. <laughs> a nice playground as playgrounds go. <laughs> Browns would be a lovely one. But you um, you've moved it from the South Moulton Street sort of little warren of stores that have been there since the 70s and it's now in a beautiful townhouse on Brook Street which I walked past yesterday looked very busy which was nice to see what's what 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 have you done in the new Browns um in terms of technology uh I mean we basically took pretty much uh I mean first of all that store is amazing Regardless, right? I mean, we were really questioning what were we doing with South Moulton um, Street because there was an old building and multiple houses. So it was really complex. We've been looking at this for so long. And in parallel of that, we opened the store in Shoreditch about three years ago, where we are already using it as a real lab on tons of tech. That's, we don't talk about it because we use it in real. So customers might not see it or essay our testing stuff. And that was really great to have that uh, luxury to have actually that place for us to test new technology. And so when we found this space and when we got there, we knew that was the right space in Brook Street because not only... Uh, it's a beautiful town, a townhouse, as you said, but it's also how you combine the modernity with the heritage and the stories, the still building. So you had all of this challenge of how you pull technology in that stores without being seen and without just actually um, damaging, like, you know, like historical features of the building. And what we've done in the stories, actually, we just really took all of the sort of product suite we have from uh, the Browns uh, consumer, the Browns app, which is in-store enabled. So create those experiences, what you are browsing, as I talked about before, immersive content, augmented reality on categories that are not stuck in the stores, uh, down to also uh, be able to uh, see your wish list in stores when you walk in the store. So all of that, which is really contextual to your in-store journey. Uh, we also have rolled out uh, a 
uh, own clienteling app in that stores to all of our seller associates with much more than a clienteling app because it's also connected in real time with what the customers is doing. So he has kind of all the functionality of a clienteling app, but he has also that sort of connected ex retail experience. Uh, so that allows customers to uh, allow seller associates to see uh, was you as a customer have just been searching on your way to the stores when you are you checking so you just go straight away around uh, your GDPR and all of those awful things around how you use the data customer is taking the choice to decide if they want a personal experience or not and then when they decide we can actually track that data seamlessly um, and also doing all the payment in a, in a, in a very seamless day from app to app. So you don't have to go at the till. Um, and also that pivot all of the sort of kind of storytelling with the connected uh, mirrors. Uh, so that's really kind of the sort of kind of the really product suite that we have. And on the background of that, we are obviously uh, having the data, right? We are starting to close the gap of that uh, in-store journey where we can't, can't track any data, we can't really customer behavior, we're starting to track that and actually complement the online data, uh, which happened all in the background. So it's been, uh, there is quite a lot of technology, but that's actually not really seen because it's unless you You, you shop and, you know, it's just, uh, it's very subtle. And that was the old, and that's the old philosophy we always had around, around, around this whole piece is how you make it really integrated a part of the experience. And also, what is also really interesting is provide all that operational efficiency to the boutiques and to brands around, you know, product movement, uh, assortment, rich planning, and what is selling, not selling now. They can track all of that. Uh, so, so that's, uh, that's the main thing. And there is actually a few innovation that will arrive in that stores, um, over the next couple of months in terms of new tech as well. Yeah. So it's quite exciting. It, it, it really is. And, um, I just I do like the idea of it, it being there and you don't see it because all the cliches around in-store technology, you know, at the start, I don't know, I don't, eight, ten years ago, people were like, oh, it'll be like Minority Report and all these screens will be up and people, and in fact, some of the stores did stop screens that you could touch and people didn't want that. They didn't want the technology to be visible. And the sales associates telling the, you know, telling the headquarters, take this out of the store, no one's touching it now, put, put some clothes there instead so I can sell them. It, it, it is much more discreet and people don't want it to be so visible you know? no he has to add value right and this is where the importance of the cell associate is critical because they understand and they sense check what the customer might or might not want so for example in a fitting room they could get a sense if the customer is inclined to that or not. And if not inclined, this is just a mirror. It's okay, right? So it's that sort of really important kind of, uh, uh, I guess, emotional intelligence that they need to have as part of their their skill set versus saying, okay, I need to do this. I need to have my phone because I think that's 10 years ago. That's probably what was a bit too intrusive. Um, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um Along this series of podcasts, we've talked to people about all sorts of things in technology, store design, you know, the, the rise of e-commerce. And, and one sort of common thread that's come through all of this, and it does, it does, it does absolutely speak to the work that Critizer does, which is about gathering data in store and feedback from sales associates. It, it all, it all feeds into how important the sales associates have become 
And you might yeah. have thought with all this technology they'd become less important, but in fact they become they more are. so, don't they? Yeah. We actually, it's funny, we were talking always about that they are becoming content creators, they are becoming storytellers, they are being community managers, and they are need to sell. So they are, the yeah. profile now, I think, of, of Seller Associate has to be much more than just selling because the transaction can happen outside the store. It doesn't really matter. What matters is how you know how to serve customers in a very unique way and using all of that data to kind of very intuitively just, you know, be quite smart on what are you going to recommend, not obviously saying, oh, yeah, I so saw you just see that on the website. Of course, you don't say that, right? You just need yeah. to kind of be quite clever on how you position products to the customer and say, oh, wow, it's amazing. You knew that. I love that. And um, and I think uh, I think this is a really new generation of 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 of, of job actually. And I think that's why you know retail is not dead because this is how you reinvent retail in a meaningful way, putting the, the human in the center of all of that. And technology is just there in the background. I mean, that's always what Farfetch and our vision and and surely Jose's vision has been for for the future of retail. Always been around that. Yeah. Oh, Sandrine, that's, that feels like a lovely way to end, actually. Um, <laughs> if I were able to put words into your mouth, it would have been those because it, it, it is interesting, isn't it? I think we've spoken so much as an industry about this sort of race towards e-commerce, this race towards people shopping at home, but you know, that's only going to go so far. And people, I think what we've learned over this past year is how much we value a kind of human interaction. Of course. And a, and a, and a good retail, physical retail space. And, You've got some of the best in the world in your network, haven't you, that you get to work with? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it could, it could no, be. I mean, I've, I think, I think you know, something it's, yeah, I think we need that. And because also luxury is not about, uh, it's, it's not about, you know, selling, it's about telling a story and creating that emotional connection between the product and, and the customer. And this, you just can't do it for always through a screen, right? I think that's that's what we learn, and and that's why I think you know people want to to still be and tell stories and carry on shopping in stores. They just not need to be disappointed because I think they're also very demanding, and this is a challenge for the industry. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's quite true as well. Um, it, when people go into store, they do expect a lot, um, they do. and you're you're going to have to deliver it if you want to continue to get their custom. Um, but Jose was right back in the day. I think, I think the first time I saw Farfetch, it was about 2006 or something. I saw a really early kind of business plan or something that he'd done. And I thought, well, that's pretty clever. I'm amazed no one's thought of it before, but it sounds really difficult to do. And I don't think he ever got put off by it being very difficult to <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, it's very complicated. It's not easy. I can tell you that. No, it's not easy. <laughs> but I think he's been proven right, and so have you, because – like I say, from that tiny little room that I saw you in beavering away to to what you're doing now on a global scale, working with brands like Chanel, it's quite incredible. So you're obviously a great visionary. Um, I've really enjoyed speaking to you and it's it's just lovely to see your face because it's been such a long time. Likewise. Yeah, we'll have you talking of live and in-person experiences. Let's hope we get you to one of our events actually at some point. Yeah. That would be great. I would love to. I would love to. No problems. <laughs> oh, Sandrine, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Loretta. Thank you for having me. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. And if you did, why not head over to our homepage at www.theindustry.fashion to listen to more great content from fashion, beauty and retail experts. And while you're there, don't forget to download your copy of The New Retail Journey, produced by Critizer. And to find out more about Critizer, visit their website at www.critizer.com. That's C-R-I-T-I-Z-R.com. All of our podcasts are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all the major podcast channels. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.